Uh, the scripture reading for the morning of which will be based on that which I will preach, I, I want to read a traditional reading of uh, Romans 12, 1 through 8, and then I want to do a non-traditional reading of the same text, but only reading verses 1 and 2. Here's what it says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by grace given to me, I say unto everyone among you, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function, so we are many, or in one body, Christ and individual, we are members of one another. Verses 1 and 2 are the key verse which I want to preach, and I want to read from Eugene Peterson's The Message. And this is how Eugene Peterson puts those first two verses in chapter 12. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Do not become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you develops well-informed maturity in you. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. So this morning, I want to talk about on being changed from the inside out. Benny Goodman, in his dissertation, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. social educator defined a social educator in this manner. He said a social educator is an outstanding person who by presentation of ideas via symbols and symbolic acts intentionally influences relative permanent social change in the thinking behavior of significant segments of his or her society. The key for me, I had not heard this as much as I had studied the life of Martin King was that he was deemed a social educator and that a social educator by the way they acted, by the way they went about doing their business intentionally altered the thinking behavior of others. And before I sit down, I'm hoping that I will influence you to join me in becoming social educators that we will with our lives so do our work that we will influence this present society in such a way 
that the minds of people will be altered and we will start thinking in a different way. I think all of you will agree that America, your church, your community could use a little altering of our thinking. And I want to use the Apostle Paul as probably one of the first century social educators. I think Paul was on to something even before King that we need to do something with our thinking. Paul's context is a church in Rome. Paul is in jail. In that church in Rome is a gathered community of Jews and Gentiles. Paul did not found this church. Matter of fact, Paul has never visited this church. But Paul has a certain affection for this church. He desires on his way to Spain one day to stop by this church just for a visit. Paul says in his opening frames in chapter 1 that he had heard about this church and how that they were doing the gospel and doing it well, but there was certain tension in the life of the Roman church. You don't take long to find that out. Jews and Gentiles sitting in the same house church. Jews and Gentiles in Montreat Auditorium. Lunch is being planned. What will they serve? Surely there can be no pork chops. Surely there can be no ham. And the Gentiles are saying, I sure hope that Hattie has baked the ham. Here you have people who come from two different worlds, but by virtue of their mutual relationship with a man called Christ, are called to live together, grow together, minister together, be God together. How will they do it? And, and Paul looks at them. Paul says, I know there's tension about eating and drinking, tensions about special days. I know that we Jews have Mondays and Thursdays that we fast, and you Gentiles, y'all just do whatever y'all want to do. I know some are strong in the sanctuary, some are weak. And Paul says, there's got to be a way that these different folk coming together can be together and be together wholly and in harmony. So after Paul has taught them, he now tells them there must be praxis. You've got to put this into practice. How will you do it? And it's in the 12th chapter of Romans that Paul brings together the first 11 chapters and says, this is how you do it. This is how you live together. This is how you be church together. Let me point out, this is not just a, a racial thing. It's just not a, 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 a sexual thing. This is a relationship piece. I have discovered that rich and poor have a hard time worshiping together, living together. I found that educated and uneducated have a hard time. So Paul says, I've got something I believe that will help us all. So in the 12th chapter, Paul says, if we learn to be changed from the inside out, then all of us can learn to be Christ together. Paul says, this is how you do it. I want you to take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your walking around life, and I want you to present it to God as an offering. And I, I looked at that and I said, I finally got it. I read it in the RSV. I read it in the King James. I read it in NIV. But Eugene Peterson, thank you. I got it. 
Because when we think about offering ourselves, many of us think it's too much to do. Paul said, no, I want you to take your ordinary life, the life that you got up with this morning, the life that ate breakfast this morning, the life that bowed down and prayed this morning, the life that went to work all week. I want you to take that life and give it to God. Now, that became even more simple when I realized that the life I'm giving back is the life that I was given. The Lord is not asking me to do anything that he has not already done. I don't know when the last time you looked in the mirror and shouted, thank you, Jesus, but who you are is not who you made yourself to be. When the Lord made you, he made something special and wonderful. Paul says, I want you to take that self and present it to God. And watch God take that self and turn it and change it from the inside out. Paul says, once you do that, embrace anything God wants to do with you. Now, I know this is very difficult for many of us because we are control freaks. We want to be in charge, but you can't give yourself to God until tell God what to do with the self. Paul says, once you give yourself whatever God says for you to do, then you do it. And he said, it won't be hard because God by grace and God by mercy will help you get it done. I don't know about you, but I shout to myself at night, thank God I don't have to do it by myself. I got somebody working inside of me trying to get me to be all he wants me to be, but I got to be willing to be changed from the inside out. And then Paul cautions us. He said, now, once you make the presentation, once you become part of the fellowship, don't adjust so easily to the culture. Let me help some of you. I, I, what I have learned is that most of us are the product of what we've been taught. From the time I was born until I started thinking for myself, somebody was teaching me what I should do and what I should think. What I want to suggest, it is not just one group that needs to take a look at change from the inside out. I think everybody needs to look at changing from the inside out. Can I give you, can I give you just a little preview? If I just made this black and white, I would suggest that many of my colleagues who think they call me vanilla, they say, I'm too, too nice, I'm not prophetic enough, I don't cuss enough. I said, I don't need to do that. I have learned that what we need to do is sit down together and take a look at what we have been taught. I was taught sometimes to think less of myself. I needed to be changed from the inside out. I was born in Molas by a midwife, my Aunt Mary. I was not registered until 1958. I was born in 1951. I had been spent most of my young life in a segregated society, and I had learned to believe that I was a second-class citizen. Nobody told me that. Nobody beat me down. I took that on myself. But when I met Jesus, I made up in my mind, I'm going to change from the inside out. Racism doesn't have to beat me down. 
Sexism doesn't have to beat you down. If you are changed from the inside out, you know who you are. I am a child of God. I am a royal priest. I am a holy nation. I am somebody special. I've been changed from the inside out. I start, could I get a witness, but I seem like somebody knows what I'm talking about. And you don't have to let this world squeeze you and maladjust you and you not be who God called you to be. You can be changed from the inside out. Well, how do you do this? Paul says, here's how you do it. Fix your attention on God. Part of many of our problems is we're looking at the wrong stuff to get us changed. You can go to Macy's all you want at the cosmetic counter, but that's cosmetic change. I'm talking about inside change. The more I look at God, the more I know what I'm supposed to look like. Because according to the scriptures, I was made in his image and in his likeness. That I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I need to keep looking. At the holy of holies, the highest image I know. The more I look at God, the more I know I can be changed from the inside out. And when you change on the inside, it'll show on the outside. I know it to be a fact. I've seen folk who look mean all the time. But when they got an internal change, they had a smile that will melt the world. Do I have a witness in here? Anybody know anybody, including yourself, when the Lord works on the inside, it shows on the outside. And I, I don't need no training. I don't need no classes. That can happen as long as I know who's working on the inside. A couple of illustrations. I'll leave you alone. Uh, time, time is rushing me. I'll leave you alone. I, I tried to understand this inside-out change, and I, I, I googled gutting a house. I, I was interested in people who buy old homes and remodel them, and one writer said that if you really want to remodel a house, you need to gut it. I said, that's interesting. He said, yes, gut it. I mean, take down all of the insides. And when I thought about that, it sounded like Paul. Uh, be renewed in your mind, transforming your mind. We need somebody to go inside and knock down a lot of walls that we have put up over the years. I don't know about you, but I had some walls that I needed gutted. I need some walls knocked down. Matter of fact, Paul put it this way. Christ himself is our peace who came to knock down all of the dividing walls of petition. We need to have our minds gutted. And, and, and they said there's good news in this gutting because you can spot water repair. You can spot where insects have done damage. You can find structural deficiencies. You can figure out how to realign the walls. You've got open space. And with open space, you can be creative. Oh, I wish I had somebody here like me when your mind got cleared, when all of the walls got knocked down, and for the first time in your life, I can choose what goes in my mind. I can choose how I think. 
I can choose what I read. And when that happens, you get changed from the inside out. I have seen some old houses. I pull up in driveways. And I said, why would anybody want an old house like this? Until I got on the inside. And I walked around and looked and I said, my God, ain't this some special house? on the inside, and when the owner told me, you ought to seen it when I bought it. Before I gutted it, Bill, it was a mess. But after guttering and with a little help, look what I have. And I just want somebody to get happy with me this morning. If you let the Lord gut your mind, you will look the same, but God knows you'll be a different person on the inside. Does anybody want to shout just two times with me? I, I've been changed from the inside out. I look like the same John, but I'm not the same John. I look like the same Sarah, but I'm not the same Sarah. I've been changed from the inside out. Thank God for the change. One more illustration, and I think you'll get it. I worked for years part-time at the VA hospital in Salem, Virginia. Every now and then, a veteran would come in with a serious infection. The surgeon would cut deep into where the infected area was. and He would say to the staff on the team meetings, I need to leave the wound open. And me, I'm, I'm a theologian. I'm not a doctor. I said, Doc, that, that don't look good. <laughs> An exposed wound. And he said, we're going to use a wound vac. I said, what is that? that that'll get out all of the excess uh, fluids and moisture. I said, but why don't you just suture the person, sew them up? He said, Bill, they won't heal if I sew them up with that wound. I said, but why are you going to leave them with a wound open like that? When I visit, every now and then when the covers are back, the sheets are back, I see a gaping open wound. He said, Bill, I know it looks bad to you, but it's good for them. I said, you're going to explain? He said, some infections are so deep and they're so bad and they're so gruesome that we got to cut real deep. And in order for them to heal properly, they must heal from the inside out. I said, my God, when I preach this, I'm going to tell the folk that I learned something here. Do you not know that some of the wounds of our country, some of the infections of our country right now, they are deep. And in order to get them out, the surgeon called the Holy Spirit got to cut deep. And you got to leave the wound open for a spirit of time. And we need the wound back of the love of Christ to just leave it like that. It looks bad. But I've learned that if you leave it alone and let God do his healing, even a most infectious wound, once it is healed, must be healed from the inside out. So I came to tell you today, Montreal, 
We've got a wound in America today. We've got a deep affection in our country today. And we don't need to argue Republican, Democrat, or neutral. We don't need to do that. What we need to do is deal with the fact that the infection is deep. And let a God who has been dealing with deep affections for a long time cut deep. And let us use a wound back of the love of Christ. Leave it open. I know it doesn't look good on CNN. It doesn't look good on CBS, ABC, or NBC. But we got to look at it. But I know somebody who specializes in healing from the inside out. And I shout today, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Martin Luther King, for social educators who teach us that we do not have to worry. This thing is going to be changed from the inside out. And if it's done from the inside out, can no man or woman take credit for it? It had to be a God thing. And if it's a God thing, all I can say is hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And have a wonderful day.